Good morning. That was really loud. Good morning. This morning's scripture reading comes from the book of Romans, chapter 5, and the first 11 verses. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if, while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? And not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Please join me in prayer. God, we thank you that you speak to us through your word. God, we thank you that you show up to us through your people. And God, we thank you that we are empowered by the Holy Spirit and we have received so many good, good gifts from you, Jesus. And God, that you are a good gift giver. We pray that this morning we would pay attention and be attentive to what gift you have for us. That we may be able to receive it fully so that we might be able to also love others fully with what you have given us. We pray these things in Jesus' name by the power of the Spirit. Amen. Well, there are those of you in here that I have met and I know, and there are those that I don't know. And so just wanted to introduce myself. My name is Laura Murray. I, my family and I, we worship here, and I'm also a pastor in our denomination. And so I have the opportunity to preach this morning Another little bit about our family is that we have a little debate. Do you decorate for Christmas before Thanksgiving or after Thanksgiving? And I don't know if you all have any of that debate in your house, but there's a certain someone, maybe two people, that think we should wait till after Thanksgiving, and there's the others that think, no, 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 we should start before. We can still celebrate Thanksgiving. So the one who is against decorating before Thanksgiving has started to soften a little bit, and we kind of put the tree up before, but we don't put everything up. So I don't know if it's a big deal at your house or not, but we have that little debate. One thing that we do love in our family, and I really love, is gift-giving. So I like to get the right gift, what somebody would want, and um, I I really enjoy gift-giving. So I start early. I start early with my gift giving. There's nothing necessarily in this one, so don't try to clamor after this gift, but this is um, a gift just for illustration purposes this morning. And I don't know what type of gift receiver you are. 
So there are those people that receive a gift and they are ready to go with it, right? Like you better have it charged up, batteries ready, because they're going to rip that thing open and they're going to start using it right? They're going to start practice. They're going to put it on. They're going to like look at the instruction manual, the tech, all of it. They're going to just go after it. And then there are the gift givers that get it and they're like, oh, okay. And they might put it back in the box or put it in the corner. They may not pull it out quite yet. They're not ready for the gift quite yet. I tend to be one of the people that uh, tends to put the gift back in the box, especially if it's a tech item, because to learn something. That means I have to apply something to my life. That means something's going to change in my life. I'm kind of against like opening tech right away. Like I'm almost afraid of it because it's going to change my life. Even if it changes it for the good, it's going to change my life and I'm just not ready for it to change my life. Um, by the way, am I popping and does that, I don't know if, can y'all hear that? Is that okay? Okay. I'm just popping to me, not to y'all. Okay. So, so when it comes to gifts and the scripture that we just read, that scripture is loaded with really good gifts that we have received as Christians. And so to preach on that huge of a text would be impossible in the time period. And so we're going to focus in on one of the gifts that's in that passage. And the gift that we're going to focus on is the gift of joy in suffering. So joy and suffering, and that's what we're going to focus on. Now, I have to admit that this is one of those that I tend to go, oh, I don't know if I want to open that gift. Because if I open that gift, that means I actually am acknowledging that suffering exists and it is here and that not everything gets solved right away. So in order to open the gift of joy, I have to be realistic that there is suffering So sometimes I don't want to open that gift. And we've all been given these gifts that God has given us, and we have yet to open them, right? We have them. They're ours as Christians, but we have yet to open them. So I would love to embark on opening this gift of joy with you this morning. First of all, I want to begin with the gift itself. The gift itself. Something to be made clear is that suffering is not the gift. Suffering is never the gift. The gift is joy in suffering. And I want to make that distinction because sometimes we start saying, oh, there are really good things that come from suffering. That is true. There are really good things that can come. There's great purpose that can come from our pains. That is true as well. But... The gift isn't the pain. The gift isn't the brokenness, and the gift isn't the suffering. And we need to be very careful about what we say the gift is, and the gift is the joy. Diane Langberg, who is a a psychologist and who has worked for over 40 years with trauma victims, she wrote a book called Suffering and the Heart of God. And she says this, she says, suffering is universal. It's unreasonable. It's irrational, and it is unjust. She said, and in all my years of engaging suffering, there is not a good answer to the question why. And we are called to do battle with it because it is not good. It's universal. It's unreasonable. It's irrational. And it is amongst us, and it is real. So we need to be very careful about the gift and what we say the gifts of God are. 
And just because God can bring something good from something horrible and unjust and irrational doesn't make the suffering the gift. Suffering is not the gift. Joy is the gift. And then there is the gift giver. And we read about the gift giver in verses 6 through 11, right? In that last part of those verses, the gift giver is Jesus, the one who chooses to enter into suffering. And we are able to receive good gifts from him because he chose to enter into that. Recently, I was listening to a podcast and somebody referred to Jesus as a first responder. And I loved that. That Jesus is the one who is going to walk into the fire, who is going to walk into the suffering, who he actually has a bigger purpose and vision ahead of him. And he says, I am walking into that suffering for the sake of whoever is in there. And I love that picture and that image of Jesus as the first responder. And that is really what is distinctive about our faith is that we have a God that enters into suffering, the horrible, the unjust, the broken that we have a God that would enter that. Now I want to pause for a second and talk about this idea of entering into suffering and that not all suffering is chosen or entered into, that sometimes suffering is received and we didn't choose it. So when we look at the life of Jesus and we read in Hebrews that it says, Jesus for the joy set before him endured the suffering, scorned the shame, He did that for the sake of reconciliation with us, right? He had a vision. He had a purpose. Did he suffer? Yes. Was there injustice? Yes. But he had a bigger picture, and he chose to walk into it. And he had agency, and he had choice to walk into it for the sake of us. Then there is a suffering that happens to someone that they didn't choose, that they didn't have agency, that they didn't have a vision or a purpose, but it happened to them. I think about this when I think about my dad, who we lost a few years ago to pancreatic cancer. Like, he didn't choose that suffering. We did not choose that suffering. That came upon us. And it's very different when suffering comes upon somebody that it was not a choice, and then a suffering when somebody walks into it. I even think about this as I think about um, Veterans Day that we just celebrated and acknowledged this last week. I think about veterans who choose to enlist into the military for a greater purpose, for a good thing that they choose to go and serve. And then I think about those that may have been drafted, and we haven't had that in a while, but those who are drafted, they both might endure the same type of sufferings or injustice or hardships But they walked into it in a different way. One chose to walk into it. Another person, it happened to them. And one more illustration of how to understand this, because I think it's really important. As I think about those who immigrate to this country or immigrate to any country, they choose. They have agency. They are able to go to another country. They have a purpose. They often have a vision of better education or opportunity. And then I think about refugees, which is very different, right? They can't live in their country. They don't have a choice. They have to flee. And how they enter in is very different. And the reason why I want to acknowledge that difference is that when we engage, whether it's our own suffering or someone else's, to be able to recognize that we enter into it in very different ways. 
So if we were going to walk alongside somebody who is suffering, who chose it, who had agency, we walk with them in a very different way, right? We're encouraging them, we're strengthening them, we're helping them to reminding them of the vision they told us, like, that's a great way to walk with somebody who's suffering. But if we're walking with somebody who didn't have agency, and that happened to them, if we were going to come alongside them and say, hey, but look at the greater purpose, look at the greater vision, they're like, what are you, I can't see, what are you talking about? Like, I am going through this, and it happened to me, and I didn't choose it. Like, don't talk to me about greater purpose, greater vision. That is not, I, I don't see that. And to, to reduce their suffering to purpose or usefulness is, I think, not the way to walk with them. That's not the compassionate way to walk with them. And so I wanted us to keep that in mind. And for the sake of continuing in this morning, I want to consider that we would engage the rest of our conversation this morning as those who have suffered because it has come upon them. And the reason why I say that is this, because that is what people start with. When people come to ask us about suffering or ask us about God, they don't necessarily ask us about Jesus first. They ask us about the current suffering, whether they're experiencing it or it's in the world. That's where they're starting from. And so I want us to continue the conversation there. So we talked about the gift, and we talked about the gift giver, and then we talked about these ways of, of entering suffering. Now let's talk about how to unwrap this gift of joy. How do we do so? Well, a couple of things that we have to acknowledge is that we have a little bit of resistance to opening this gift. I know that sounds strange, but we have a little bit of resistance. And I think one of our resistances is that we often don't want to engage our own suffering. We don't want to see how we are suffering. We don't want to allow Jesus to meet us in our suffering because honestly, it's really hard. It's really hard. And so often what we do is we turn to a truth about who God is, which is great, or we go to serve, which is also great. But what we miss is that we have a God who wants to meet us in our suffering And I think that is the greatest gift actually we can give to another is that we meet them in their suffering. And we can't do that unless Jesus has met us in ours. I want to read from 2 Corinthians chapter 1. And Paul again says this. He says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. There is the assumption that we have received comfort from God before we are able to comfort others. Yet what we often do is we go to speak truth and love them. Again, it is good. Or we go and we serve them. But we forget that we have a God that actually wants to meet us in our pain and in our suffering. And so we have this resistance sometimes to even engage our own suffering. Dr. Langberg again says this. She said, if I am to bring the power of the resurrection to bear in the lives of people, I must first allow the spirit of God to bring that power to bear in the dark and dead place of my own life. So how do we do that? How do we allow God to meet us in our own sufferings? Well, I love the story in the Gospels of Jesus with Martha and Mary and Lazarus. 
And the story is, is that Martha and Mary know that their brother is going to die and they call out to Jesus, come, our, brother's, our brother is sick, our brother is going to die. And, and Jesus is in another town and he hears them, he hears about them, but he like kind of makes his way over there and then he pauses and he stops and he helps somebody else. And he doesn't seem like he's in a hurry to help Martha and Mary. And by the time he gets to the town of Martha and Mary and Lazarus, Lazarus has already died. He's already gone. And what the sisters do is that they come up to Jesus and they tell him how they're really feeling, what he should have done, and why wasn't he there? I mean, they honestly converse with him and they cry out to him. And here's the thing about that story is that we read a few verses later that Jesus actually raises Lazarus from the dead. So he solves their problem, right? He takes care of their pain. He resurrects their brother. He takes it away. But why did Jesus like linger in that space? Why did he allow Martha go, hey, why didn't you come here? Like, why didn't you come here? When my bro- if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Mary said the same thing. If you had been here, our brother, my, our brother would not have died. And Jesus sits with them. He doesn't say, oh, hold on just a second. I'm going to go, I'm going to go take care of that. Like, stop your crying. Stop your questions. Let me just go take care of that. Let me go fix it. He doesn't do that. And it's kind of perplexing, right? Because you think, Jesus, aren't you just going to go take care of it? But he doesn't. He allows them to ask the questions. He allows them to converse with them. And he also joins them in the conversation and in the crying And there are people that are also with Martha and Mary. They have a community. So how do we enter into our own sufferings? How do we allow Jesus to meet us? Conversation, crying out, community, and time. And time. You see, our joy, this gift of joy, is unwrapped through people in God's presence. That's how we unwrap the gift. The gift of joy is unwrapped through God's people and God's presence. And another way that we are often resistant to opening this gift is that we really want to move the pace along. We want to move the pace along. We don't want to sit in suffering. We don't want to sit in pain. Often I find myself doing this um, with our kids when they have hurt themselves or if they have a scratch or something, I find myself wanting to move them along. And they're not ready to move along yet. So we often move people at a pace that they're not ready to go. Parker Palmer, who is a teacher and a Quaker pastor, he says this. He says, one of the hardest things we must do sometimes is to be present to another's pain without trying to fix it. To simply stand respectfully at the edge of that person's mystery and misery And standing there, we feel useless and powerless. And in an effort to avoid those feelings, I give advice which sets me and not you free. So when we meet people in their suffering, are we looking to set ourselves free? Free from this situation, free from the discomfort, free from the time, the awkwardness, the pain? Or are we really attentive to what they are going through and what they are walking through. There's an illustration that I love that I ran across a few years ago and I was reminded of it as I was preparing this sermon and I wanted to 
share it with you. And it is a story from some beloved childhood characters, Winnie the Pooh and Piglet and Eeyore. Uh, Tigger doesn't get to show up in this story, so there's no, there's no Tigger here. Uh, but I want to share this story to you, for you, with you, and I would love for you to listen. It occurred to Pooh and Piglet that they hadn't heard from Eeyore for several days. So they put on their hats and coats and trotted across the hundred-acre wood to Eeyore's stick house. Inside the house was Eeyore. Hello, Eeyore, said Pooh. Hello, Pooh. Hello, Piglet, said Eeyore in a glum-sounding voice. We just thought we'd check in on you, said Piglet, because we hadn't heard from you, and so we wanted to know if you were okay. Eeyore was silent for a moment. Am I okay? He asked eventually. Well, I don't know, to be honest. Are any of us really okay? That's what I ask myself. All I can tell you, Pooh and Piglet, is that right now I feel really rather sad and alone and not much fun to be around at all, which is why I haven't bothered you. Because you wouldn't want to waste your time hanging out with someone who is sad and alone and not much fun to be around at all, would you now? Pooh looked at Piglet, and Piglet looked at Pooh, and they both sat down, one on either side of Eeyore in his stick house. Eeyore looked at them in surprise. What are you doing? We are sitting here with you, said Pooh, because we are your friends And true friends don't care if someone is feeling sad or alone or not much fun to be around at all. True friends are there for you anyway. And so here we are. Oh, said Eeyore. Oh. And the three of them sat there in silence. And while Pooh and Piglet said nothing at all, somehow, almost imperceptibly, Eeyore started to feel a very tiny little bit better. Because Pooh and Piglet were there, no more and no less. Conversation, crying out, community, presence. The joy that we unwrap is the presence of people in the presence of Jesus with us. That is the joy in suffering. And there's no explanation of why or how or what will happen, but we experience it with others. And our experience with suffering, Jesus with us and us with one another, is the faith that we explain. This series has been the faith that we explain. We don't explain suffering, but we experience joy with one another in suffering, knowing that we have a God that suffers with us and who enters with us, and we get to enter with others because we have experienced it. Joy is not saying yes as if suffering is the gift. Suffering is not the gift. Joy is saying yes to Jesus because Jesus is the gift. 
and joy is saying we will walk with Jesus and we will walk with you in the mystery and misery of whatever you are going through. And joy is the gift of peace and a people, hope and healing to come one day when all things will be made new. So our joy is unwrapped through one another and through God's presence. And whether you are a family that begins Christmas early or not, this is a year-round gift. And we all have that gift that we can open together with one another and for the sake of others. So let's open it together. Please join me in prayer. God, for your goodness and grace, we are thankful. God, we thank you for illustrations and stories that bring things alive in us that words alone cannot. God, thank you for the gift of Jesus and the reminder at this table that he is the great gift giver and that he did not leave us alone and that he entered into our lives and into our world and provided for us what we need. We need him and we need one another. So thank you that we can take of this table together. We thank you for your good gifts and for your great love. Amen. On the night that Jesus was to be betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. He said, this is my body given for you. Take it and eat and do it in remembrance of me. The same way he took the cup. He said, this is the cup of the new covenant, which is my blood shed for the forgiveness of sins. Take it and drink and do this in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread together and drink of this cup, you proclaim the saving grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, who was, who is with us, and who is coming again to make all things new. These are the gifts of God for the people of God, and you are welcome to come and to receive. For those who are